0: Welcome to the Business of Fun, the podcast that pulls back the curtain on the industry's hottest games to find out what's going on behind the screens. We are going to invite mobile gaming experts to spill the tea on their game success, how they work, why they work, and what they've learned along the way. Here's your host, Jonathan Fishman.
1: Welcome to the
0: Business of Fun podcast. In this episode, We're discussing how to create a world-class monetization strategy for your mobile games. Join Jonathan Fishman from Mavens, Phil Sue from Zynga, and Jeffrey Carlson from Chartboost as they share tips on balancing in-app purchases, advertising, and other monetization techniques to optimize revenue without compromising user experience.
1: Let's dive in. Hey, everybody, and and welcome to this webinar. Today, we're going to talk about how to create a world-class monetization strategy for your mobile games. You have here me. I'm uh, Jonathan Fishman. I'm VP Marketing and Growth uh, at Mavens, uh, basically for the B2B brands underneath uh, Zynga and Take Two. And ever today with me, the entire family. So, Phil Sue, VP of Admon from Zynga, and Jeff Carlson, Head of Product for Publisher Products at Charboost. So, I'll let you folks introduce yourself. Who wants to go first? That can go, yeah.
0: Um, hi, my name is Phil. I've uh, been at Zynga for almost ten years, both on the game development side and also in ad monetization. So I'm coming familiar with a lot of the the challenges that game developers face, as, lo- uh, as well as you know managing a, a complex ads business. Uh, and yeah, with you know Jeff, um, we've been working together in various ways for a long time. Uh, when he was at MoPub, and I was at Zynga, and we're solving a lot of our problems so appreciate jeff and thank you jonathan for inviting us here
2: i appreciate you phil too uh it's uh it's been a fun ride uh and uh i have to say uh thanks for having me be here because uh this all started when i pinged phil after mobile was going away i was like hey man where where are you guys up to where are you going what's next for monetization you're like i got some people you should talk to and that uh, led us from going to um, collaborating in separate companies to collaborating under one roof. And it's just uh, wonderful to spend even more time thinking about what this future of monetization looks like.
1: Cool. So today uh, we're going to talk, uh, we're going to start in the basics, but talking basically about why advertising in the first place, and mostly about why advertising now, given the existing environment, talking about supply and demand and balancing them both, measurement and testing, your Admon strategy, Uh, some tips and expertise from the great folks here, and we're going to have some Q&A for everybody that wants to drop a question. Feel free to try it in the chat, and we'll take some questions to end up this uh, webinar. So let's start with... um, basics how should you look at in-app advertising in this environment that there's a lot of things going on privacy uh uh, recession so uh how do you folks uh, think about it
0: yeah you know over the past year i think gaming has been not immune to a lot of the things going on in the economy um, our players have less discretionary income um and so it's you know, the entertainment spend is definitely a discretionary expense, although we we, we hope that it's more of a essential expense. <laughs> but, um, you know, and then in addition to that, you know, you, we have things like ATT on iOS. In the future, we'll have Google Privacy Sandbox and, you know, making it just harder to target installs, like really, you know, highly targeted installs for these, like, IAP players to, to bring into, into the games. And so... Uh, what that results in is probably a broader funnel of, of installs for your marketing spend, uh, and it, as well as, you know, retention um, being much more important than maybe it was in the past. You want to create a relationship with your players more long-term, monetize them over the long-term, retain them in the game. Um, and, and as well as, you know, now that you have a broader funnel of users coming into the game, right, it, you know the your payer percentage might be going down and so you know how do you monetize that growing group of non-payers say um in your game whatever that may be and so in-app advertising i think is a is a great way to do that i might be a little biased <laughs> but you know it's it's really a, it's a broad funnel kind of monetization method it should be part of your monetization ar- arsenal the features are just like any kind of game features that are, are in your games that they, they can be um, uh, developed in that way. And, you know, the, uh, and it's a way to really just monetize the a, a much larger portion of your audience. Uh, and, you know, another great thing about in-app advertising is the, the upside is relatively known. You know, there, there's a lot of good examples out there and, you know, the, the the revenue that you can generate per user on the ad units are you know are fairly you know can be there's like targets that can be achieved so I think you know you can relatively easily estimate the ROI of of that in app advertising features that you're going to build um, and additionally I think in this environment you also have you know a lot more brands coming in into gaming so you know as maybe some of the performance gaming ad Spend has been dying off uh, or kind of re- reduced in this environment um, from reduced marketing fr- from other game companies, but you have brands coming in. I think Zynga is kind of at the forefront of some of that, trying to get uh, brands into gaming and doing a lot of like content and trade marketing out there and really getting brands familiar with gaming, and that's going to lift all boats for everyone as they buy your traffic through exchanges. Um, but yeah, and, uh, over the past year, we've seen a lot more brands coming in, um, and that's <clears throat> and uh, and so that's kind of been buoying the the ads market, um, uh, the ads market in gaming as well.
2: Yeah, and absolutely agree, Phil. And uh, you know, I've talked to so many developers out there over the years. They're like our strategy is IEP. It pays the bills. Uh, We're okay with that. We don't necessarily need to add ads. And as Phil mentions, right, like, uh, it can actually be a compliment for you, the developer who started more in IEP to sit there and in times like this, where maybe there's less payers, be able to gain some of that revenue back through in-app advertising. And, uh, you know, as that IP decreases, this supplements it uh, all the way through. And, uh, you know, as Phil mentions, the brands, uh, they've been stuck in the display world for a very long time. And uh, there's been some really challenging uh, uh, things to try to get them over the hump to mobile. And I think we've just about cracked the nut across the board It's when we really need to see what used to be a whole uh, lot of performance advertising uh, spend trying to get people to install apps. Uh, on the performance side, shift into more of a balance between brand advertising as that more advertisers recognize that their users are playing mobile games.
1: Cool. So why now is a good time to expand IA specifically? Like what new capabilities exist now that didn't exist before that are worth looking into specifically now? Yeah, uh, I think, you know, in-app advertising
0: is fairly prevalent out uh, in in the industry now among the consumer audience. If you look at the top downloaded games, most of them have advertising, and even in app purchase, you know, focus games, a lot of them have advertising nowadays in rewarded video. So there's there's a lot of kind of tried and true uh, implementations out there, uh, and you know, users, consumers are really used to it, and sometimes they even ask for it. Like we we can introduce rewarded video into a game that didn't have it, and there's like positive. Uh, uh, sentiment in the app store reviews, um, and that's kind of pretty cool to see sometimes. And, you know, uh, beyond that, uh, like the competitive aspect of it, there's really a lot of uh, new options out there, like not just the tried and true banner, interstitial rewarded, but uh, more like in-app, in-game advertising, um, kind of more native-like placements, they have audio ads that are starting to emerge a bit more. So there, there's kind of new... Kind of ways, new experiences that are at scale because uh, you know in the past I would say there's just not enough demand flowing through some of these channels, and so you do the legwork of integrating it, and the uh, the ROI isn't there. But uh, I think nowadays there there are parties out there that that do have demand. Um, the big players are also partnering with with some of those other uh, networks are partnering with some of these new channels and piping in their demand. So you know the the ROI for some of these kinds of new experiences are also great. And uh, also, if you have a portfolio you know, uh, of games, uh, the ad inventory can be used for cross-promo. So when we talk about like, how do you increase you know, the value of the players you're acquiring, um, being able to like, cross-promote them to other games, uh, these, the ad inventory can be double-duty as well um, and can be even more valuable. So I think now's a good time. Yeah, I, I think
2: too, uh, as the uh, entire industry has um, matured a little bit more, uh, there's been a lot of feedback from developers. I mean, uh, I I can count on uh, zillions of times I feel like I've received feedback from Phil and team about like better ways to provide in-app advertising that fits better within the overall experience of the game and the types of users that want to consume ads. And that Uh, Across a number of different um, types of vendors and technologies has produced a a wide array of new ad formats, as Phil has mentioned, going into things like reward interstitials, where perhaps you start off with a a reward experience for certain users. Some users don't opt into that experience and are non-payers. You can potentially start to uh, segment them into potentially seeing ad breaks where they can opt out of that reward experience. And uh, you can see the industry evolving in the way that uh, it allows for monetization for different players and their preferences. And so I always appreciate uh, hearing that feedback from our our publishers and uh, and then working on interesting new innovative solutions to uh, provide these experiences that are better for the user base that do lead to those uh, better app store reviews.
1: All right, so let's go into the strategy part. Like, what's your thinking when it comes to building an in-app advertising strategy? How do you think about it?
0: Yeah, I mean, our, our real North Star metric for, you know, any ad integration or how we look at ads and games is related to average revenue per DAU. So it is a monetization metric. Um, and then there's others kind of around maybe the, the retention impacts of that. And we can talk about it during experiment when we talk about, the experimentation. But like, um you know, in terms of, you know, what makes up revenue per DAU, you look at the supply and the demand side. So supply being, you know, how many ad uh, impressions you're generating uh, and what kinds. And, and then the demand is, you know, who's buying that ad inventory and, and who do you have plugged in? And then, you know, when you're really focused on supply, um, that's that's the hard, that's really, I think, the hard part. You know, generating supply in the right way, in the game, um, that works uh with you know the 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 core loop or the different you know genre of the game um the user experience in the game and how that ties into um the various kind of features um and player life cycle of your game and so you know there's again a lot of examples out there so they're kind of having different targets by genre uh, of what kind of ad units you're going to have. And we can if we focus on, you know, banners, interstitials, and rewarded, so banners and interstitials being like more display ads, uh, you know, like casual games that might have more uh, display ads. And while the rewarded video game, um more IAP-focused games might really tend towards the rewarded video. And when we look at what kind of ad units you're going to have in the game, I think it, it comes down to, you know, even the display ads, like what kind of real estate is available in your game, right? When Once you kind of dig down under the genre, there's how the game is designed. So if you don't think about ads from the beginning, you might not have real estate to put in an ad, or you might not have the right experience where you can put in the ad. Um, rewarded video as well, when you're thinking about kind of the, the value exchange you're going to have for the players if your economy is super tight and you can't have kind of flow from rewarded video coming in uh, without damaging the economy then you're going to you know be restricted on kind of what you can give out as a as value to the players and you know your engagement really might not be there so thinking about how you know ads are going to play in what kind of ads you want how they're going to play in with your, uh, with your game, the game that you're developing or the game that you already have is going to be, uh, you know, important. Now, you know, beyond that, you're thinking about, you know, the different user segments of players that are in your game, you know, how maybe how we can personalize it, you know, sometimes how re- rewarded video or different kinds of ads can incentivize behavior or, or provide more retention. So putting it in the right places. Um, so really thinking about how much, you know, how much you want to generate in terms of monetization mm-hmm. from advertising and then, you know, how the supply you're gonna generate is, is you know, can that support your out goals? Uh, and, you know, once you kind of set, all right, like this is how much, how many impressions per user you're trying to generate, you have to look at what yield you can generate for that inventory. And that's gonna be based on your demand. So, you know, the more networks you have, The higher monetization you can have on the yield side, but that's also going to come with a cost uh, of uh, of maintenance, of integration, Um, and so you have to think about kind of those things and and how much time you want to spend in maintaining and optimizing your ad stack. So you know that if ads is a large part of your business, you're probably going to spend more time on that, have more partners, and have a more robust stack as opposed to. If, if you want to kind of be more uh, plug and play and let it go, uh, more autopilot and it, and, and it be kind of a smaller portion of your overall monetization. So you need a lot of factors uh, going into developing that strategy of how to implement the ads in the game as well as you know what partners you want to integrate.
2: Yeah, uh, those are all great points, Phil. And uh, sometimes, too, it's all getting everyone internally aligned and bought in that you should actually do in app advertising in conjunction with in app um, purchases. And then, it, it, you know, and one of the things that you were talking about, Phil, it's like it's really important to try to figure out early on who you're partnering with. Who are the ad tech providers that you're going to be working with? What's your user segmentation? And which of them are actually going to be seeing ads? Where are these users located which of the different ad tech providers are actually going to be able to show ads in the locations uh, where your users are uh, and then uh, just double tapping on the the point philly made about how are you staffing it how are you supporting it both from a technical implementation but also an operational point of view what happens when users uh, want to write in, ask questions about things, how are you going to be uh, working with them to resolve issues and things like that. So uh, definitely from top down, thinking about how you'll go through all the different pieces of it, from deployment through maintenance to re-releases, it's important to think through all the different uh, facets of it.
1: Awesome. And what about segmentations? Like How do you make sure you send the right ad to the right player at the right time? I think segmentation and personalization has evolved a ton uh, in the past. We were a lot about contextual advertising. So how do you guys think about uh, segmentation? Yeah, you know, look at the kind of, I guess what we call it, monetization
0: profile. You know, back early days, I think when you would integrate advertising, you'd probably block it to all payers, so payers get no ads. <laughs> uh, and I think that's kind of evolved. So, you know, more IIP games are, are allowing You know, payers to see ads. um, Sometimes only lapsed payers. Sometimes active payers. And you think about, okay, well, what are the places that we're willing to show those ads um, to these players versus? versus others. So the player experience with advertising and what ad placements and and how often they can see ads or will be exposed to ads can be different based on their monetization profile. And not only with IAP, I think there's also some, you know, you can look at the advertiser value too. So the geo, um, what kind of like demand is available for different uh, segments of users, like where they are, um, you know, are those users, clickers, uh, what's their kind of user profile? Uh, do you have an identifier for that user or not? They're going to monetize very differently from the demand side. And so, you know, if you want to focus on generating uh, more money uh, from, you know, users with lower advertising profiles, uh, then, you, you, you know, if you don't get it on the yield side, you can make it up on the supply side. So maybe, you know, those users might might get uh, more ads than, than users that have better Monetization profiles on the advertising side, and uh, you know, you—it's everything—is kind of like a series of trade-offs on on kind of how you look at where you're going to start, you know, where you're going to put ads. I think you want it, you want to make sure that you take into considerations for you know retention, IEP, um, and and how your game can. How your game works, right? Like, if you're a game that kind of has maybe poor uh, retention, uh, you're gonna want to put you know ads more early in the experience to to monetize those users while they're there. So maybe, maybe you're a hyper casual game with with like uh, you know pretty low D seven retention or something, and so you're you're gonna probably show a lot of ads at the front um, as opposed to a game. You know, with a pretty decent D30 retention. So you're going to, you're expecting to have like a a longer relationship with the player and you might expose them to ads more gradually over time, um, for instance. And so, you know, you, you can kind of focus both on like who the player is and how you want them to experience ads. What kinds of placements are available to different kinds of users and the value exchange that they have, as well as when you start introducing ads may may be different, all based on like the type of game you have and the, um, and the profile of the user, Um, you know, maybe another example could be, you know, if uh, the, uh, you're the, you you have rewarded video kind of more earlier on in the player lifecycle and, uh, because, you know, that, that can help with retention and as well as it can help with, um, you know, getting users to like help them progress early, earlier on in the game uh, with more limited cannibalization. And then, you know, over time, if, if they're continuing to be non-payers, maybe you introduce display ads to them even so that it's like your ad load kind of increases over time as you play um, or the kinds of incentives and rewards change over time uh as well through the player life cycle so the segmentation might actually kind of change the experience might change along with like how the user evolves in the game and so you know these are all ways of kind of tracking um uh, customizing that experience for the user and 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 you know the longer you retain users in your game uh, the you know, more nuanced you can get, um, with like these ad experiences. Uh, and, you know, when you're first starting out, you're probably, you know, doing the basics. You got like, a an ad for your a daily goal or something that's kind of exposed to everybody. And maybe some friction points you have, you know, more targeted placements for like getting over certain friction points for non-payers. And you're like, I'm going to call it a day. And, but, You know that you're only going to get so far. Right. And and so the longer you retain players players, um, you know, even with IEP, you're going to think about, oh, well, like, how do I monetize these players in the long term? How how do I continue to like monetize them over time and increase that monetization? And so you should think about that on the advertising side, too. So uh, as we continue. Yeah,
2: definitely. All great points, Phil, and uh, uh, you've been through it with so many games in terms of segmentation. There's no one size fits all uh, generally, and uh, it really is uh, about like understanding your particular game and uh, what your particular goals are. It's more art than science sometimes to determine at what exact moment a user is not going to be an IAP user and you potentially gradually or directly shift them over into in-app advertising And uh, it really, really is important to experiment with Uh, that. As Phil mentions, get first out the door with uh, one implementation, see how it goes, assess the data, and then uh, think about where else you're uh, going to be introducing uh, some of these experiences. A, B, test it with some of the segments and uh, go from there. Also... Sometimes it's useful to play other games that are similar genres to your game, particularly if you're just starting out and you're a brand new developer wanting to build uh, games out there and monetize, that like you can see a lot of really great examples out there of experts in the business that have been doing this for a while and just play some of those games and watch the moment where all of a sudden you start to see ads and how they're introduced and why they're introduced there and how you feel as a player interacting with it it can be a great way to also think through how that works in your game based off of the genre it is
1: really important. Yeah. And really insightful. All right. So talking, we talked a lot about supply, but how do you create a great demand strategy? What, what do you look at with uh, partners demand partners? Yeah. You know, this, all this stuff is, is
0: under the hood, right? So like the mm-hmm. the supply generation is probably what most people are familiar with because, you know that's that's user facing. That's what the game developers you know want to do and care about, and you know manage that experience. Um, and, and it's easier to understand on the demand side. It's much more complicated because you know there's all these different players. Who are they? What do they do? Um, and you know, there's a lot of nuances even with with some of these partners. So I think that the demand side is equally as important because it's the other side of. Uh, you know, you, you generate the impression. So how much money are you going to be able to, to, to get for, per ad view? Uh, and that's where the demand side comes in and so you know if you look at different ad units actually different partners have different strengths on different ad units so whether you have banners interstitials or rewarded video um some networks some partners are better at some than others and so under you know kind of knowing which ones and and being able to kind of plug those in into the right places to to have those in your app um, are going to be important um you know we'll probably say hey these are the four generally best monetizing networks and go out with that with any kind of implementation. Uh, But, you know, beyond that, if you have, if you want to monetize even more and have a more robust stack, you're going to integrate uh, additional partners, Uh, probably more focused on the individual ad units uh, that you have in your game or uh, with the geos, even some some networks are are better in, in certain geos than others, and and so okay, like you, you're having a good sense of how they're going to monetize is probably the most important. And then the second thing is probably around some of the features that the that the networks have, and um, like can you adjust price floors or how is their reporting? Um, you know, things around how you do operations is going to be important because again, as I mentioned in the past, the more networks you have. The, the harder, you know, the more work it's going to be for your operations and engineering teams to maintain and operate. Um, and as well as, you know, when you're looking at what networks to integrate, you probably want to look at, you know, their prevalence out in the industry. So what other games have them in? Do, you know, do a lot of apps use them? Have they been around for a while? Do they have a good reputation? You know, how's the ease of integration? Are they a supported network or a custom adapter with your mediator? You know, the, these are all kind of important uh, questions, uh, you know, to, to answer. And, um, you know, it, and kind of coming back to that, like the mediation layer is probably the most, really the most important when you think about, um, you know, how your entire stack monetizes. So, you know, that that's going to be, you know, one of your most important decisions uh, in in how you about managing your demand stack because all your tools and capabilities are going to be at that at that layer um, unless you have your own custom layer as well mm-hmm. yeah all great points
2: phil um there's uh, increasingly a number of different app intelligence tools out there that really help you do your research ahead of time as phil mentioned like who else who's using what demand sources some of uh, it might be worthwhile to for a quick moment pay for an app intelligence tool and understand uh, okay, what's uh, what are the most prevalently uh, installed SDKs out there? Uh, what are their strengths? Why are they being used so frequently? Also, talking to people in your network, uh, you know, like the entire gaming industry is a rather small, uh, tight group. Uh, the the longer you spend time in it, like you see all the same characters around in a variety of different uh, uh, different companies as things remix, and so uh, it's it's worthwhile to sit down with some of them and just ask them some questions about what have your experiences been? Where, where are the positive experiences? Where have been some of the negative experiences? Uh, is there anything beyond just the the standard basic questions I should know going into this? And then highlighting a particular area that I've always liked to focus in on that uh, Phil is mentioning, like uh, from the implementation of all of these, the developer tools, ease of... Um, uh, of integration the testing capabilities the stability associated with it responsiveness of their support teams and how quickly if you do have a challenge or need to ask a question these teams can educate you and get you um, uh, up and running uh, sometimes you're not just hiring uh, a monetization stack you're hiring a whole bunch of experts that you can uh, you know tap into and ask them a bunch of questions and please feel free to just bring up any and all questions uh, I know quite a few folks on multiple sides of the business that are always happy to kind of walk through best practices.
1: Great. Let's talk measurement. What are the like KPIs? What are the most important metrics to track when it comes to IA? What are, well, we know the North Star, but what else um, are you tracking when you look at uh, the performance of uh, your advertising strategy? I
0: guess, you know, when we're just monitoring the business as a whole I think total revenue and and impressions is good to understand so you have a picture of the just the total supply and revenue that you're generating if you want to look at it by ad unit that that's also good uh and then kind of normalize that so so yield like how yield is trending I think we have a understanding that you know there's like seasonality for instance that kind of goes through the year although that kind of got thrown out the window over the past few months Uh, and uh, you know the as a, as a way of monitoring like how things are going and if you're you know adding partners like your yield should be going up. Are, are you seeing some of the results of your changes and optimizations? And then you know, normalize against DAU, so impressions per user and revenue per user. You know the these are going to be key indicators are, of you know is something going wrong, right? You're basically trying to monitor you know the, to make sure that things are going. Up into the left, uh, up and to the right, <laughs> yeah, and uh, and that you know the, the changes you're making are they yielding results and is there anything wrong you know with the business? So I think those are the kind of key things we we monitor regularly.
2: Yeah, and um, uh, Phil, when you're talking about imp dau and arp dau, you're generally talking about the specific segment that's getting in app advertising, correct?
0: Well, I guess both because. So we, we tend to, we look at both because, you know, you compare it to like IEP monetization, right? And, and like when you look at ARPDAO from IEP, you, you, you kind of, you usually look at it first first from total DAU and then you can peel out, okay, well, for, you know, what is my revenue per payer? Or right. what, so on ads, it'd be like, okay, what's my ad, you know, views per viewer on ads or revenue per viewer? Um, so that's one layer down. Uh, the But I think on high level, you're we're, we're starting out with like total DAU.
2: Yeah. And, and that makes sense because like if uh, in general, you're starting out and saying you want to have maybe a supplement of IAA or a complement your, um, you know, IAP strategy, right? Like zooming out at your total monetization strategy is good in terms of some of those metrics, but then you're also right that like zooming in on the particular segment of them, for both of them, for IAP and IA is also super critical. You can also go one level deeper, as we were mentioning in the um, conversation earlier about, uh, hey, demand sources and which geos they're good at. You could also start to look at some of this information from a particular country level. So let's say if you, what happens if you have a lot of uh, folks that are using your game in Japan, but you actually don't have a lot of demand sources that are currently buying the potential inventory you're making available, there's opportunities to sit there and say, okay, we have a chance to increase our DAO and MDAO overall uh, by also uh, making sure that for specific player bases they're seeing similar uh, levels of demand that uh, some of our tier one countries are.
1: Cool, and um, talking about specific ad placements, how how do you evaluate if they're performing well or not? Like, How do you test your decisions early on on Choosing the right places for these uh, ads.
0: Yeah, I think you know, it starts with brainstorming and kind of what are the goals of the feature, and you you have a kind of expected outcome of of the results, right? So you know how many impressions you want to generate and how much revenue that those placements are going to generate. Uh, there could be some great ideas, but it's buried so down in the funnel that or only 5% of users are going to be exposed to this thing. And, and so that's not going to generate any meaningful revenue. Um, so really looking at the ad funnel and and even, even when something goes live, like all the assumptions, you know, how is that tracking, right? So uh, from everything from the ad eligibility rate, you know, who's exposed to ads and, and the surfacing, like how many users are going to be exposed to even, get to the point in the game or that they're going to see it. Like if it's buried in the store, how many people go to the store a day? Are you driving people to the store? If only 10% of users go to the store, maybe that's not a good place to put it. Um, and so you think about kind of the eligibility rate as well as the surfacing reach of of the, the placement. And then, you know, then you're looking at engagement. So if it's like say a reward, if it's a display ad, it's going to be near 100%. You, they hit that point, they're going to get it. Um, they're in the lobby and they see a banner, they're going to get it. So, but the uh, on the on rewarded video, there's an engagement component because uh, once a user sees something, they need to click something. Click it to, to open it up and, and initiate the ad. So th- and and if you really think about it, that this level is the monetization rate. Because if a user never sees the ad, you're not going to monetize them. So they can have the opportunity, but if they don't actually see an ad, you're not making any revenue. So that this like ad view rate is, is really important um, in, in your ads funnel. And so and and beyond that, um and and I guess like with rewarded video, the other complexity here is. know the value exchange so like is it content is it progress is it a consumable is it something like what are you giving in exchange for video um and that is probably going to dictate you know how many users are going to be engaging with it and how often how many times so you're also thinking about what kind of frequency you're you're doing for this if it's a really high reward um for everybody you you might Say make it only once every X hours or once a day, but again, you know that's not going to generate that much revenue. If if like seventy percent of your users do one ad a day, it's not going to be worth that much. So that's a great placement, but you also want to generate other ones that are that are um, uh, to to generate additional ad views. So you know we're looking at the views per viewer, having an expectation of that, and and how many views. Are being generated for for the for that say the profile of user that you're looking at, and then you know then getting down to overall impressions and revenue per user. Um, and I think one of the key things that we look for um, as well in in any of the kind of ad placements is is our success rate. So we look at um, you know how many users uh, or or like for the for the the ads being for the, if every ad ad opportunity being generated, you know, are we filling those ad impressions? Uh, and that's kind of a measure of, of leakage. So even if you're generating an ad opportunity, are you actually delivering an impression and monetizing them? Uh, it is another important thing that we're looking at. So, you know, we go through the entire ads funnel from opportunity down to the actual delivery and the revenue that you, and the yield um, that you're generating uh, on those ad impressions to to see the revenue. So are those meeting our expectations? Like are those higher, lower? Some places do we need to make adjustments? Um, and you know and and we often build levers in into our experiments to be able to like adjust some of those things.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I uh, totally agree with all those points, Phil. Uh, and I think one thing that can sometimes help above just like you yourself trying to figure out whether or not it works well on your game, uh, talk to some of your ad vendors and ask them uh, for cohort sort of uh, comparisons where you can say, hey, I've uh, implemented rewarded. Do I really see results that perhaps uh, like competitors are seeing if you if you have them on uh, the platform as well? And, and sometimes that can be really interesting to, to hear, oh my goodness, like for whatever reason, ours um our, ours aren't uh, working quite as well as others even though we may ourselves think that we're doing a good job uh it's always good to kind of get another baseline comparison of understanding of like uh what else uh maybe some interesting tips or tricks in order to get it to perform even better than it is currently always good to phone a friend and ask some of uh, the folks that uh maybe are able to see this at a higher level. And this goes back to Phil's point about choosing the right vendors, mediation layer, et cetera. It's important to have folks that can uh, give you the insight and the advice.
1: Cool. I think we we'll want to have time to do all of them, but uh, you mentioned leakage. So can you define it? Like what can you do about it? Yeah. You know,
0: I think a lot of it's time. And this is probably like the most time intensive thing. So it's something that people like probably a lot of developers skip. It's they're like, they're just monitoring impressions per user and say, all right, like, is it steady state? Is it healthy? Okay. Are there crashes? All right. So, um, so leakage. So there's a lot of reasons why an ad may not successfully be displayed. Like you can generate all the supply you want while supply down to that ad opportunity where an ad is supposed to surface. But if a user doesn't see the ad, you're not monetizing them. So, you know, having monitoring this metric of success rate, there's always going to be some like maybe the user leaves, right? When an interstitial is popping up and they just leave the app. So there's going to be a certain measure percentage that like don't display for some reason, um, but the uh, aren't successfully viewed, but there are other w- reasons for um, for, it, for it not to successfully deliver, uh, and a lot of that has to do it could be with like ad flow latency, or it could be ads that are loading and not successfully delivering, or crashing the app on a, in a catastrophic level. Uh, so having an understanding of this metric is is going to be pretty important. And you know, in the past, I would say one of the key ways of dealing with this issue. Um, well, it, that's why it's important to you know vet vet your ad networks. But, you know, another, uh, what we probably had to do in the past is just completely shut off a network, for instance, that say, oh, like, this network is causing way too much latency, or this network is nerfing our success rate, like, we need to shut them off on this ad unit right now. And so that does it for then you know, the, all users, right? It, it shuts off that network for all users and lowers monetization, because it's impacting, uh, you know, the competition in your of demand in your stack. And so, uh, you know, new, like a, a new feature, you know, we've been developing um, is called, we call like the network kill switch. And so, being able to specifically target users that are experiencing problems. Um, so it's usually not everybody that's experiencing like a success rate impact. It's It might be a certain subset of users or are experiencing crashes. And so, okay, like who are those users? Identifying them and shutting the network off only for those users um, is going to, you know, help preserve your monetization. Um, and, and so, you know, addressing leakage is kind of uh, important because, yeah, it's it's like, it's a pretty pretty non-zero. I would say it could be, Kind of consider like, especially for display ads, could be in the double digit percent of opportunities that you're losing. Uh, so, you know, it's something that you should probably look into, as well as you know, uh, being able to address some of those um, in different. Think about how you can address those in different ways.
2: Right, and so if uh, if fill rate represents your total opportunity of ads on device ready to be shown or displayed to users. Um, uh, the actual render rate is the amount of ads that you're actually shown. In between those values somewhere is some percentage of the leakage potentially. And uh, understanding that could be the difference between you asking for 100 ads, loading 50 and showing 10, and instead showing 20. And uh, perhaps you're uh, missing out on uh, those extra 10. Now, some leakage is just going to be the natural progression of a user, right? They they played the game in the morning, oh, had to go to work real quick, and so didn't return it to the app that day until the next day. Now you need to get a new ad. So some of that might be natural in terms of how users are using it. But in places where you go to show an ad and there isn't an ad or there's a crash or other things, those are places where I think uh, Phil and I in particular have talked a lot more about investment and how we solve that. And things like networks, uh, kill switch that provide that granularity of kind of delve deeper. uh, It's an opportunity, right? Like ideally you get to a place where you showed all 50 of those ads, but uh, that may not uh, always be possible. But ideally... Every time you do get the opportunity to show an ad, you should be able to. And uh, part of that is, uh, you know, the vendor tech needs to also get to a place where they're also prioritizing the, this, that this is also important to them because it certainly is important to the publishers and certainly an area of more investment over time, over the next year or two.
1: Yeah. Besides the network kills wood, which, which is great, looking to the future, like what do you think some monetization stack capabilities like on your wish list, or the two of you are working on, uh, and the industry should adopt.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping you know we have a large portfolio, so I you know <laughs> it's all for efficiency. I hope to see better, more, and better like yield automation tools from platforms. Um, I'd like to see kind of more things around uh, helping publishers like segment users, especially for like the bidders, right? Kind of or giving, I think, too much uh exposure to kind of the 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 bidders that have full access to the stack but i think there we can do more around user segmentation and having like different price floors um even for bidders and uh and kind of making that more of a standard practice and you know using the power of ilrd uh to, to 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 help with that Right. Like, I think you can use things around engagement, install source, you know, the the how the user has been retaining and ILRD to 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 inform how you segment your users for like different kinds of pricing. Um, and then, you know, in a future privacy world, uh, can, I think they're probably going to be need to be more around contextual targeting. So. You know, the platform capabilities around contextual targeting, how developers look at the context of their game and what information they can provide um, to to advertisers um, and is going to be important.
2: Yeah, all great points. And um, in a world where uh, privacy is becoming more and more of a bifurcated sort of world of like you either have a device ID or you don't, that does impact your ability to monetize in a number of different ways. And so uh, going down the path of also thinking about uh, potentially a, a different level of monetization for your limited ad tracking type users at lower CPM so that you can have almost uh, two separate ways to uh, to monetize users within a particular uh, bidding or waterfall situation. Uh, additionally, uh, consent management, as brands come into the uh, mobile ecosystem more and more, they expect the same sort of features that exist in the world of display. So um, consent, viewability, uh, and these sorts of things. Uh, So consent management, providing, uh, you know, the right GDPR signals, TCF uh, v2.0 and things like that, that then allow upstream on the demand side, partners that require that in order to transact, to be able to transact. And ultimately the outcome of it is like a a higher yield overall uh, per ad request into the system and uh, more competition against all your demand sources um, because uh, critical data is now being passed up that's needed in order for the the demand side to make decisioning. I think too, bringing back something that Phil mentioned earlier, more uh, segmentation tools, certainly uh, the Firebase-style server-side experimentation-type frameworks, we're going to see a lot more development around that specifically geared to monetization that allows you to get into these deeper insights that allow you to track different segments through uh, through their user journey uh, in, in terms of uh, uh, tailoring the right ad experience to them and when you should switch to potentially another one. Uh, one more to mention too is, uh, mobile tends to be behind display ad tech for a variety of reasons over the years. And what happens in display world sort of echoes in the mobile world like uh, over time. Uh, I expect to see a lot more uh, investment in private marketplace, PMPs, over the coming years, where, in effect, if if bidding has taken place of a lot of folks' waterfalls and a lot of ad monetization folks are worried that the control goes away, the control actually starts to shift upstream in terms of how you segment users and package that and send that off to different uh, demand partners, particularly brands that like to buy in that audience segment sort of way. So I expect to see a lot more innovation in this particular area that brings control back to the ad monetization um, uh, managers and, and gives them control further upstream from uh, potentially what they've been used to in the past. Cool. All
1: right. So uh, that's uh, almost the end of it. Do you have like one final takeaway uh, you want to give out to monetization folks? yeah I think we we talked about a lot today
0: there is, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> and um, it can it's like a pretty you know it can be a pretty complicated business uh, there's a lot of choices now and but but there's also you know a lot of best practices uh, so you don't you know when you're getting started you don't need to reinvent the wheel you know trod where others have trodden and you start there uh, and and can get more sophisticated uh, over time. so just you know focus on, the reach of your advertising and and generating the supply, um, and that's probably the most important thing, and and you know the rest can, can follow. Yeah,
2: in a lot of ways, uh, experimentation is key, right? Uh, there's no one size fits all for monetization for apps, and uh, they're kind of like uh, children; they're all going to be a little bit different and have their own personalities. So, um, you know, what has worked in the past may not work in the future too. And uh, it's important in this experimentation to always be following the data and always be learning. Uh, this is such a dynamic industry. It's cool to watch it, how it continues to evolve and change in some really interesting and unique ways to uh, solve a lot of the problems that we, we see out there. And uh, so just always, you know, be, be reading up on it, learning, talking about it. Uh, it you know, it's, it's going to really help you um, uh, succeed as you go deeper into it once you've established the reach that Bill's talking about.
0: Yeah, and, and you know Jeff, you know, like game development, it's like, it's a very, as developers, like, it's sometimes decisions and your feelings, it can be very emotional. So you have like yeah. like a, oh, you have a visceral feeling about something or it can be quite emotional, but yeah, through experimentation and data, you know, sometimes like the results can be counterintuitive. Um. And so, yeah, I think the experimentation and really looking at the data and saying, "Oh, okay, well, it broke my assumptions on that." Like to test out the not necessarily extremes, but you know, things that you might not necessarily think or would would work. But um, you know, sometimes the results can be counterintuitive. So
2: yeah, it, it's, it's it's what important. What to, it's <laughs> important not to be afraid of trying some of these things out. Right? You take big bets. You say, "Oh, this is definitely going to be true," and then you're like. Oh my God! I can't believe users react this way. This doesn't make any sense. And then you go watch some people actually do it and you're just like, "All right, well, um, you know, I learned something new today." So it's uh, always fun to go and do that. But um, it's um, you know uh, that you can never fail at this if you keep on trying, right?
1: Sure. Uh, I think we have time just for like one or two questions, but um, let's see uh, what we have here. Two interesting ones. One of them is a question about uh, your suggestions for hyper-casual developers in this economic environment with lower ad revenues. Maybe we can tackle that somebody wants to uh, take that. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I I think, uh, you know, the part of that is going to be
0: like trying to, I guess, push more instead of hyper-casual. I think we, zynga talks about like mass casual so there's like hyper casual elements of the game and like core loop but you're looking to retain the users uh longer there's better progression more kind of these longer term monetization and retention features that are built into the game rather than you know, expecting to to lose so many right off the bat like within the first week and, and so Kind of what that allows you to do is if you can, you know, look at how these games that are have better retention, you can spend more UA and you know, over time, uh, you know, have like the the build up your user base over time. The and in that world, right, I think I talked about a little bit earlier around you know, thinking about that ad load and that ad experience, like hyper casual games will hit you, you know, hard and furious, like pretty early on with. A really high ad load and so if you might want to think about how you would adjust that you know to in introducing like ads and different kinds of ads maybe more over time um and pushing and looking to front load maybe more retention features uh and then introducing ads like into those over time um and then you know uh, mass casual games are also looking to monetize not only with ads but probably some IEP so building in some friction so I guess it's like just casual games with broad appeal using hyper casual more core loops um you know is probably where that industry may evolve to Mm
2: -hmm. that's important point because like we sort of started on this world of like user retention apps are generally showing less ads initially and then build it up over time and hyper casuals they just hit you with a as many ads as possible, sometimes early on in the, the you know, like maybe days, uh, day one, you come back and bang, you're in, in that loop or even uh, day zero because they may not come back. And it does seem like we're maybe evolving towards a balanced approach where each side is coming a little bit more towards the middle there.
1: Awesome. Uh, and we have another question. Maybe I'll generalize it a bit, but uh, it reads, uh, do you expect the Android privacy sandbox to go live in the near future? Uh, I think basically the answer is this yes, because it's in beta um, currently. It's been growing out, but the question is, what would be the implications for IAA? Uh, we can even generalize it because we had the same thing with uh, iOS and ATT and the privacy guidelines there. Uh, so, what are your thoughts about the impact of uh, uh, both of these uh, guidelines on IAA? Yeah, I think sandbox is a a, a bit you know,
0: different than ATT. I like they're, they're I think the goals of the the service the the product is is a bit different so um in, in terms of what they want to do with the identifier. Uh, I, I would say one of the key things is that it's not set in stone. I think there's you're know, three different areas of of sandbox the around targeting measurement and and like SDK runtime, which is the sandbox <laughs> component of the SDKs. Um, I think, yeah, and and I think developers should really come in and give feedback and things can be changed. For instance, on the targeting side, you know, it used to be uh, Flock and now it's Fledge and maybe there can be another evolution of this. Uh, And and so, you know, Google is listening and, and developers should like really understand what the implications are for their apps and kind of give feedback Uh, uh, to Google, as well as, you know, I think specifically on SDK runtime, you know, that it opens up a lot of other implications when you're pulling, you know, potentially pulling these SDKs out of the app and they can be updated independently. And so, yes, I think it's very, especially around that one, please developers take a close look at that um, and give feedback. Mm -hmm. In terms of timing, I think that the... uh, uh, they did. It, it, there was like a blog post in December or something that kind of said, "Oh, hey, like Web is they're looking at second half of '24 to implement like the browser version." And so I'm hoping then that, that means like you know mobile will be after that, so '25 uh, or later um, potentially. And uh, so that gives like more time for us to you know test this thing and and give feedback. Uh, and in terms of the impact. You know, I think we kind of know what impact we had on ATT. I think you can also look at uh, the users who've opted out of Identifier right now. Like you can, on your apps yourself, like what percent that is and what kind of monetization delta you have on those users. So you can get a sense of what that impact could be on the high side. I think that's the maximum. Um, And and do other things to kind of... prepare so when yield goes down what do you do you can add it add generate more ad inventory um, and you can do other things around you know the preparing yourself for like contextual targeting working with demand partners to overcome you can you know look at how you leverage first party data building up kind of uh, different parts of your ads business um, trying to figure out ways of kind of claiming more of the the ad supply chain um, and and improving performance there. So there 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 are kind of things that companies can do to to try to combat both the yield um, and the supply side to to maintain or grow your ad revenue. Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: uh, great answer, Phil. And uh, specifically uh, with regard to privacy sandbox, the SDK runtime is of a particular focus over here. And um, one thing I'll credit Google a lot with is that they're taking this very um, carefully in going step by step to release ideas around how to solve some of these uh, challenges that they've seen out there and received feedback on, but also want to be sure that they're not going to hurt the app developers out there and their ways to monetize because they understand uh, the very intricate balance between um, uh, how things work today. Uh, So how can we live in a world where uh, we're giving these additional external SDKs access to things that they should have access to, but not giving them things uh, that they potentially shouldn't in a privacy-friendly way. I think as an industry together, we can all continue to talk about these things and uh, you know, generate ideas around uh, the best way forward that um, provides everything that we want uh, to, uh, to continue to be able to do while also being respectful of um, the users and uh, the privacy that they uh, want to have, it's going to be an evolutionary process. There'll probably going to be some pain points, but it does seem like Google is going to elongate this timeline for it to work uh, in order to make sure that uh, they don't out of the gate, like, um,
1: you know, kill the golden, golden goose. Yeah. Awesome. So that's all the time we have for today. I want to really thank you, Phil and Jeff. For everybody listening, if uh, you want to reach out and ask some questions, talk monetization, other interest areas that interest us, (laughs) then um, basically you can find uh, uh, our emails here. In a few days, we'll send out the recording of uh, this webinar. So uh, check your inbox, but that's it. I wanna wish you a great day and uh, thank you for joining.
0: That's a wrap on this episode of The Business of Fun. To learn more about Zynga and Boost and how we can help you on your mobile gaming journey, visit chartboost.com. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. Thanks for listening.